Refugees on Air podcast is recorded and produced on the stolen land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We acknowledge and pay our respects to the traditional custodians and their ancestors of the lands and waters across Australia, where our content reaches and on which SIN's partner organisations stand. Sovereignty was never ceded. Thank you for listening to Refugees on Air. My name is Sarah. My name is Maya. And today we've got Ahmad Hakim on the phone with us today. He is the co-founder and co-director of the NGO Refugee Voices. Thank you for joining us um, on the phone today, Ahmad. Thanks for having me. That's okay. I think we'll just jump straight into this. Um, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and where you grew up? First, I want to thank you, Maya and Sarah, for the opportunity to talk to you and your listeners. My name is Ahmed Hakim. After nearly uh, six years of being stateless in, in Iraq, uh, Syria, and Turkey, uh, I came to Australia in 2008. I'm originally from uh, a region called Awas, south of Iran. Uh, our, my culture is distant from Mesopotamian culture and the kingdom of Elam, which uh, 7,000 uh, years old. I came to Australia with $20 and only blankets on my back, that's it. Wow. <laughs> that is exceptional. Um, in your bio for Refugee Voices, you mentioned that you've had to seek refuge, you know, three times in your life. What kind of impact did that have on you um, and your family? Thanks for the question. I, as you mentioned, I seek asylum three times in my life. The first time when I was uh, only two years old, when the Iran-Iraq war, it happened, where I played with my uh, brothers and sisters. My mom, I remember, she just walked 90 kilometers to uh, keep away from the uh, conflict area. Uh, That's that the first time we lost everything. We lost our home, you know, our uh, access, everything we had. Uh, my father, he was uh, away, and my mom, she has to be with us and keep us away from the conflict zone. And the second time, it was due to the oil company. They came and dug the marsh where my mom and uh, her industry, they lived there in that uh, area for millennia. And uh, they just uh, march was uh, sourcing uh, our life, uh, uh, mm-hmm. where uh, we had the buffalo, we had the, we used to grow rice, and also we used to uh, build our home from from the reeds around us. It was uh, in the marsh, it was uh, sorting our life, and we lost it, and uh, had to kind of move to the biggest city. Mm-hmm. The third time, uh, when I was uh, at the age of 22, when uh, I saw there's an unfair system where. Uh, the education was only for the elite, and uh, I organized the uh, rally to demand uh, for the equal uh, education for everyone. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, due to that, I, I lost my friends and uh, also we, who were executed because of this move. And also, I have to lose my uh, family and also lose my community because uh, I have to flee and uh, find the safety. So those those uh, events uh, have affected my life. Uh, uh, in the way we lost everything and also the way I have to kind of part of my community and also be a part of my uh, family. Wow, just I've got no words really. Um, it's just amazing how resilient you are that you've had to go through this three times. You had to wait five years to be able to move to Australia. 
you know, how are you able to hold on to that hope and kind of be patient in seeking a better life when you've already gone through all of that? Well, and my, I, I just want to mention that I lived uh, during that period of time before I came to Australia. I was living in Syria and uh, I lived in Syria five to six years. Uh, and uh, I was a stateless person and the uh, only uh, thing kept me going i have to kind of you know i i always believe there's someone or some country on the world will save me and uh, in this kind of situation you just have to have a faith mm-hmm. uh, but in terms of kind of uh, keep your step you know going and uh, sourcing your life uh, i had my community where you know some people uh, member of my community they were there so they they used to help me and also thank goodness it was the unhcr where they kind of they used to give you a very basic stuff just to uh, keep your life yeah and after waiting the, for those five years what was your first impression of australia uh it was much quieter i can say uh, compared to where i came from and which really uh, i enjoy it now uh Australia is a beautiful country that gave me the chance to survive and uh, live in safety and also i had the i had the impression that multiculturalism and fairness was uh, thriving but after i learned the english uh, and uh, start understanding the social and uh, political discourse around people seeking asylum and around my community and uh, people of color i realized there was something wrong uh, uh, and the media was demonizing and dehumanizing people like me mm. those issues of racism uh, and picking on uh, on most vulnerable people on the air is wrong so i think it's like fair to assume that once you saw those systematic problems you wanted to involve yourself in trying to you know uh, to change them yeah to change them so what challenges did you face when you were trying to get involved in ngos in australia so just to elaborate that the issues affecting the daily life of the member from my community was frustrating me every day people saying awful things uh, against women children and elderly mm-hmm. uh, people from refugee backgrounds uh, in the street buses and public spaces i wanted to do something to change the narrative around people seeking asylum but having got involved with ngos i can't say there was a, a fair bit of uh, tokenism mm-hmm. so many times i was in, invited to tell my story for fundraising events only which i was looking to speak with the decision makers and tell them about what was community my community wants and what change they want to see mm-hmm. yeah and how did you feel when you knew that there was tokenism present in ngos in australia like how did you challenge being you know seen as a token basically in the way was Uh, I wanted uh, I was saying I wanted to get involved more with the decision makers but seeing yourself as a, a, a being tokenized it put you in the in the positions you I don't want to use that word it's like a, a, a priceless and you just a person uh, with a with a very limited capacity yes. uh, but, but we are we are experts 
and we know which policy is affecting us. Uh, that's why I wanted to, to do something bigger than that and uh, bring change to my community. And how did you go about starting the NGO Refugee Voices? And also, what do you hope it looks like in five years' time? I just want to highlight a few important important uh, issues and why we are doing that uh, as a uh, as an organization. Yeah. The Australian government and its policy promotes systemic uh, and uh, uh, systemic racism for a long time since two thousand and one, and it failed to recognise uh, the inheritance of uh, human rights and uh, people seeking asylum. And the second one is the uh, media fear-mongering and corporate profiting are actively and are undermining the value of fair and thriving multiculturalism. Those together, those together, they're just portraying and punishing, uh, uh, punishing the refugees and putting us uh, in, the, in the category of second-class citizens. So. As you know, currently there are uh, more than uh, uh, 1,300 uh, uh, people seeking asylum in Australia. Uh, they are at risk of, uh, of uh, having uh, the, uh, basic human rights services or accessing human rights services, and as well their dignity, and they've been torn away from their family mm-hmm. uh, through uh, aggressive immigration, uh, immigration enforcement and uh, criminalization of people seeking asylum. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I, I, I don't want to say that, but I, I have to say it's the organizations that seek to fight in behalf of the people seeking asylum are providing some solutions, but it's not enough. And that's why the voices uh, uh, of the people with, uh, with lived experience need to be here and it needs to be uh, in the centers of, uh, of any conversations around people seeking asylum. I just have a question for you. How do you think, you know, members of the public can help centralise refugee voices and help them reclaim their narrative? Definitely there is a gap and and we have to work together to close that gap. And we just working with the NGOs and uh, and the sectors working uh, on the refugee issues to provide some space for us as a people seeking asylum mm-hmm. so what we what we expecting from uh, from the sectors uh, to embrace the uh, community and uh, in, in the decision makers and also probably uh, have people seeking asylum working in, the, in, the, in their sectors and uh, get their advice around the around the issues affecting people seeking asylum the members of our community they are been wonderful and they've been uh, very helpful and uh, helpful in, 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 in kind of supporting people seeking asylum but we just kind of we want to see uh, our story and also our struggle have a ripple effect to the more members uh, from uh, uh, other uh, broader community and bring uh, uh, more people uh, on the movement absolutely i think it's a pretty fine line between advocating with someone and advocating for someone why do you think it's important you know for refugees to be the ones telling their own stories that's a great question <laughs> firstly we need to be here uh, because the policies affect us 
and also the all the campaign is about us in the same way too and all the meetings stop meeting uh, about us too so i mentioned in the private question we are experts uh, we know which policy is affecting our community we are educated and the future of our, of our country is matter to us a lot uh, for example my kids uh, will grow uh, and be part of this community in the future and uh, that's why me and members from my community we want to make sure the policies drafted by the government are fair against us are there any important events that refugee voices is holding that the community can get more involved in in the future of course there is a very uh, important uh, event is coming up where uh, we have uh, experts uh, around people, uh, refugee issues, uh, Julian Bensard, everyone knows Julian Bensard, and also Beruz uh, Bouchani, who is the person, a journalist who's been detained unfairly in the detention center for years and years, mm-hmm. and also uh, our co-director, Grace Williams, uh, which is a, a person with lived experience and also human rights advocate. So those three people, they're going to be face-to-face and discussing the importance of of the uh, uh, movement and uh, the importance of the movement where it's led by people seeking asylum and what we need to see in the future in terms of uh, bringing a fairer policy for people seeking asylum. I would like everyone to join us. We've got uh, so many people are uh, interested in the event, but it would be good to have more uh, members from the uh, broader community in, uh, to join us in, the, in this uh, event. And we're really excited to be able to help you out with emceeing the event and obviously not meeting face-to-face but virtually discussing these important issues that are so timely right now. That's fantastic. And also I just want to mention that thank you very much, Sarah and Maya, for uh, giving up your birthday. Thank you. We're really grateful for the opportunity as well. One more question. What would you tell NGOs who are trying to support refugee communities but they don't know how or they don't know where to start? I just want to mention one important thing. Our issues or refugee issues sit with many social and political issues facing a struggling community. It is a, a, a future basic human rights issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well, we all, all of us, we must work together and protect the rights of seeking asylum. We are living in a very unstable uh, world where the climate change, uh, war and uh, man-made disaster are threatening our lives. And we need to work together to, to secure our right for, for us to seek asylum when we need it. Regardless of our nationality, regardless of our religion or uh, our right. So I want to see the NGOs will have in the senior level or in the advisory level, they have people with deep experience to guide them to, in, in their journey 
uh, inviting for the people seeking asylum. And I think the only way to better the circumstances for refugees and asylum seekers in Australia is to directly talk with them and communicate with them to know what they want. Yep. Thank you so much, Ahmed, for joining us. We're really grateful that you shared your story with us and we're really looking forward to the Moments of Change event that is going to be hosted by our Refugee Voices. Uh, we can't wait to see you there and see um, Behrouz and Mr Burnside and Grace there as well. Um, I think it's going to be a really fantastic event.